42. And the Bible says, And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. We're talking today about being better together. Um, I'm a church kid. I was raised in the church. I am the third child of Quentin and Helen Matson's seven kids. And um, I went to church, I believe I was three days old. Mom, was I three days old when I went to church? Yep. And um, in our house, uh, if I woke up and I said, oh, I don't really feel like going to church, my mom would have said, well, you don't have to feel like it, but you have to go. Uh, there wasn't any, um, they didn't really care that much about our feelings in the Matson household. Um, and we understood that um, we belong to a community of people. And it's interesting that in Acts 2.42, the Bible says that early Christians devoted themselves to the fellowship and the word fellowship there is actually the noun, not the verb. The verb is something you do. The noun is something you are. You're a fellowship. They were devoted to each other. And so something amazing began to happen in their lives. They, become, they became mutually responsible for one another. So when I was a kid, um, basically Quentin and Helen Matson had decided somewhere early in their, uh, probably when they were dating, that when they got married, they would continue to do what they did single, and that was to have a time in their life that they would go and participate in their local church. And the idea of a local church was always very clear to, to my family and to me as a kid. That was that we had a building we went to, we had a place we belonged to, and that the church was not the building or the place. It was the people. There was never a question. I always understood that. Um, it also was not um, even remotely considered that we had to like everything that happened in that building. Uh, you know, like we, we went to church pretty much three times a week. You guys have it easy, but we went Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night because we were hardcore. We were going to do what pleased Jesus, and that's what our family did. Part of the reason we did that is because that's what our church did. If we went to a church that didn't do that, we wouldn't have done it. But the one we were going to, that's what they did. So that's what we did. And um, so, you know, the other thing that my mom and dad were pretty clear about was that I didn't have to like all the people there. They were still people. 
that were my family, and they were people that I was going to serve and I was going to show grace to. It was really clear. Uh, another thing was that all the stuff we had in our house, um, our furniture, our clothing, our food, uh, it was all, you know, open season for all the people that went to our church. And in the first service, I asked people, how many of you have ever been to um, the Matson household for lunch? And half the room raised their hands. And that's on purpose. And I'll tell you why. Because Sunday morning, this was how church would go. Well, it would start Saturday night. Saturday night, when you got six kids, well, at that time, we had five kids. I was part of the first tribe. And then we had a two more that came later. But the five original Matson kids, Saturday night, you took a shower or a bath, whatever you were going to do, because you were preparing for this big day. Sunday was the biggest day in our week. Mom laid the clothes out. You made sure they were clean. You found the ruffled socks, which were awesome, by the way. And, you know, you lined up your best stuff because we were being taught this is the most sacred thing we do. The Matson kids go to church, and it's sacred. It's a big deal. And then when we got there, if the pastor passed out a clipboard, and the clipboard was so that you could sign up to clean the church, it might come back to one of the Matson kids and see that Dad had signed us up for every other Saturday. And that did not mean that Quentin and Helen Matson went and cleaned the church. That meant that in our van, we would load anything necessary and all the children and we would go to that church and clean all the mess that all the other people made. And you know why we did it? Because my parents really believed and lived out this idea that God had a plan for a local church. And that the way you make um, the presence of God known in your local community is by being together in a local church. And it was just so absolutely clear to me when I was a kid, that my mom and dad understood Scripture was non-negotiable about the assembling of ourselves together. Non-negotiable about us being willing to do life together. Now, what's the purpose of being together? Well, first of all, to be known Why do we come into this building? Because God wants you to be known and he wants me to be known. He wants us to know one another. That's why the, the doing church the way we do it today, which is come in, uh, it's more like a Target or a Walmart. We kind of pick our church based on what our preference is. You know, do we like their worship style? Do we like the... You know, those guys dress cool, that pastor wears skinny jeans, that one doesn't. I mean, it, it's, a tough, it's a tough thing for me to get through my brain that church is about me. Because my understanding of the scripture is that it's about us. To be known. Now, 
being known is the scariest thing ever because I know the real me. And I'm pretty sure you might reject that version. So my flesh is always fighting with the purpose of the church. And I do that pro by protecting my information. I only give you a little bit. I protect my privacy. And most of all, I ensure my autonomy. It's basically me and them. The language of they should not be coming from your mouth if you're committed to a local church. You need to start using us. If this church has weaknesses and flaws, and by the way, it really does, then we have weaknesses and flaws. Not they have weaknesses and flaws. And if it has strengths, and it really does, then we have strengths. And God wants us to get comfortable that our autonomy is not something to preserve because it's not his plan. We are to become one. We, being many members, become one. To know others. The, the beauty of the church is that it's called to this unique thing, to love humans in their worst form. To present this supernatural ability to be transformed and to join the journey towards becoming his workmanship. The Bible says that we're his workmanship, and guess what we're created for? Good works. I lived this out as a kid. Um, in the Matson household, my parents, they understood the responsibility that they had that people may not feel known initially when they come to our church. And so the other part of our Saturday exercise was to get the house cleaned. And, you know, we didn't have magic erasers. And I'm always, always sad about that because I always had to do the baseboards, and I don't know why. But magic erasers are awesome for baseboards. But the whole reason Saturday was a big deal in cleaning was because we might meet somebody at church who Helen and Quentin would say, hey, what are you doing for lunch? Can you imagine that? Planning your day so that somebody might come to your house for lunch? We make it seem like a Herculean thing to have somebody for dinner or lunch once a year. It's like, oh, I have all these people coming. I have so much to do, and it's Thanksgiving or Christmas. My mom and dad believed, and I remember my mom telling me stories about how when they lived in a little tiny trailer, I think it was, Dad, was it 26 feet long? 29. Give them the two feet. 29 feet, they were involved in their local church in Grand Forks, North Dakota, living in a trailer before tiny houses were popular. But I'll tell you, they were commonplace back then. Three little kids. 
Mom and dad would invite their young adult group to their home. Dad, what would you say is the most you guys had in that trailer? Okay, guys, you have no excuse. Nobody's house is too small. Would you agree with that? And my mom and dad um, always were comfortable with their financial status. They understood that if mom needed to make snickerdoodles, which is cinnamon and some flour and sugar, and put those in the oven, that people would not come in the home and say, wow, this is not great. This food is not from Wright's Farm. This is, you know, this was just, we are interested in knowing you. We want to know you. And watching my parents do that my whole life solidified a few things for me. That if I want to know people, I have to make an investment beforehand. I have to purpose and plan for that. And I have to be willing to let people into my circle of trust. Now, there's a lot of awful people that attend our church. All of them. There's a lot of awesome people who attend our church. All of them. The beauty of the church is the culture of grace. The beauty of the church is that when you come and I come, we come with all of the stuff that we know and a lot of others know about us, our weaknesses, our failures, all the things we bring to the table. And the Bible says in Colossians 2 that it's so our hearts can be encouraged. Knit together. Knit together. Have you ever tried to, um, to take a sweater like cut, that's knit and cut it in half? What happens if you, if you cut a sweater? It's not going to do very well. It's not going to accomplish its purpose because when someone's knit together... If we're knit together, it means that we're interwoven. We're individually parts of a whole. That's God's perfect plan, and it's a picture of his desire for the kingdom. Why? Because he wants us to reach all the riches of full assurance and understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ. How do I get to know Christ? By being knit together. So to be known and to know matters to God. Now how does Satan undo his plan? The big plan God has. Well, you know, he disrupts the goal that the maker has of having us be known by making us protect ourselves because we see others through the lens of our own insecurities. Rout uh, you know, most of us routinely subject other humans to labels, assumptions, criticism, and finally, judgment. The challenge is our need to feel comfortable around those we rub shoulders with. We want to be comfortable all the time. We want our 
physical bodies to be comfortable, and that dictates how we respond at church, and we want our emotional selves to be comfortable. We don't like getting outside of our comfort zone. But let me tell you something. The church isn't for that. The church is not that sort of a thing. If it was, God would not have designed it so that there are introverts, extroverts, lethargic people, energetic people, well, stable, unstable, directive, meek, disciplined, wildly impulsive. The list goes on and on in all of our personality types. And we all have the types we like. And most of the time, they're fueled by our normal, natural interests. You know, the interests that are natural, um, you don't have to think about them. Like, for instance, my small group today is going to go walking at uh, some, some park with their dogs. I don't like dogs. And I don't like going to parks. I don't like either of those. In the natural, I wouldn't join a small group that likes dogs. Sometimes at our small group, there's a dog on your head, a dog on your foot, a cat. Well, there's actually, I think there's three cats there. I can't remember how many. There's a lot of cats. Four. Oh, four cats. And sometimes there have been pheasants there and ducks and a lot of other things at my small group that I go to. And um, I'm the only one who's like, ooh, ah. You know, it's like, listen, we don't pick comfortable things when we're engaging in the big goal, which is to know one another. Big struggle in the church is that the natural sinful thing we do is fall into feeling less than because of other skills. Someone else is more than makes us feel less than. Oh, that's such a worldly way to think. It doesn't exist in the church. It's not for us. The other way Satan disrupts God's goal of us doing life together, being together, is that he minimizes the idea of together. Now, do you think God is all-knowing? Think he understood that COVID was going to happen? And his plan, thank you, Eden, and his plan was still for us to be together because we didn't get the... Uh, memo that said, never mind about that. We're still supposed to figure out how to be together in the middle of world chaos. The Bible says that we're supposed to consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some. I love that. Some people neglect meeting together. That's in the Bible. That's not me. But encouraging one another, encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. If someone says, I've missed you at church, or where have you been? 
I want to say something to you. If you are offended by that, you have not been spending time reading the Word because they're supposed to encourage you to come to church. It's their job. It's in the Bible. We minimize the call to time together by carefully choosing our exposure to those we have chosen to call our church. It's because we prioritize our real life, our real friends, our real things, what we consider real, and that's just a one. And sometimes if you do an hour and a half, you've pushed it too far because people have only set aside a very brief amount of time for church. But I'm going to tell you something. God's plan is not being realized when the only time you rub shoulders with the people in this building is on Sunday morning. His intention is for you to get mixed up together. We fail to celebrate the purposed intent of our maker to create different humans and is called to be together. Sometimes I'm shocked at who God made. It's true. I'm like, really, Lord? But I know that that's the exact response people have to me sometimes. Like, why would you have made her? The church is the only place where that kind of thinking is met with a resounding, uh uh. It's a culture of grace, it's a culture of together. We have to value the intent of the Father. And you know what his intent was? His intent was to use the multitude of types of people to accomplish his purposes. And we have to determine to allow time in proximity to one another to breed love and comfort. If I'm not with you very much, it's hard for me to get over my initial whatever. And then sometimes when I'm with people a lot and I find out that they're really tough to be around for me because of my comfort level, I'm reminded of something. I am that person to someone else. And I will tell you something, every single one of you are. Knowing others, why is it so hard for us to get to know one another? Mostly because selfishness is so easy. I don't think twice about making your preferences my mandate. I don't think twice about it. Why? Because I know what I like. And knowing what you like takes time and proximity. The goal of knowing others, as mandated by the scripture, forces me to spend time with them. It forces me to rub shoulders with them, to make time in my week for them, to text them, to say, hey, let's get together, to have coffee, to have tea. If you hate coffee and you hate tea and you want to drink that juice with the green, I don't think any juice should be green, but... If you want to drink that and you want me to join you for that, I need to be prepared. 
I'll just close my eyes when you're drinking it. The goal of knowing others forces me to call them us, not them. The goal of knowing others forces me to let them control the information I'm exposed to sometimes. Let me tell you, I've had a lot of things shared with me that I probably wouldn't have picked to have shared with me. And TMI is a real hazard of the church. How many of you have ever had those church conversations where you're like, no, no more. Knowing people is hard, and you know why? Because most people have darkness in them. I would say the only four perfect people I know on the planet um, are these people right here. And um, it's Ellie's birthday today. She's three. And I'll tell you something. Being grandma means that I get to ignore all of their failures and weaknesses because it's not my job. Truth is, all four of those people are going to rub shoulders with somebody and they're going to rub them the wrong way. But guess what else I know? They're going to rub shoulders with those people and some of them are going to be transformed because they rub shoulders with them. We're supposed to share our stuff the Bible tells us to bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. We are supposed to share our skills. We're supposed to. If somebody in the church has a broken toilet and you know how to fix it, you're actually supposed to go help them fix it. Did you know that? That's really what the scripture teaches. If you're a mom and you know how to mom and you're watching somebody who doesn't know what they're doing, you're supposed to share that skill. We're supposed to share our sacred celebrations. We come into this building to celebrate the church, the fellowship, noun, not the verb. We are the church, and we have an address. This church is at 15 Cape Road. And we have names. And we have stories. And we have skills. And together, this church has been able to do a lot of things. You know, I, a couple months ago, I happened to be on Facebook, and I saw this picture. And I thought, this is such a beautiful picture of what church is. I noticed that Jim Meisner had um, uh, put Mr. Burke's picture with his um, profile pic. And I thought, you know, this is amazing because these two have not um, known one another from anything other than years ago. They were in a small group together. And that began their story, their love story. They have a love story. And that love story is taken Jim through the loss of his wife and, and Jim shares, sometimes he shares holidays with them and sometimes um, Jim has uh, shared um, 
special moments with their family. And you know who he knows loves him? Patrick and Julie Burke. When it was his birthday, they had a birthday celebration. Not because they have shared interests or common goals. They're in very different places in their life. They've probably never been in the same financial situation. They don't have common interests. They have a common father. They are members one of another. The Bible tells us that when we come together, in 1 Corinthians 14, 26, it says, What then, brothers, when you come together? Each one has a hymn, a lesson, a revelation. Sometimes I have those, folks. I would like to share them with you sometimes. A tongue or an interpretation. And then it gives us this challenge for being together. And I want to say, there, there are many, many, many reasons why people leave an address of a church and go to a different address for a church. There's location movement. There's maybe doctrinal differences sometimes. Sometimes it's just, um, you know, an agreement between you and your former church. I don't know. But I will tell you one reason you cannot leave, and that is offense. The Bible's very clear that our purpose of coming together is for building up, not tearing down. The Bible is clear that in this culture of grace, we've been given the potential and the opportunity to come together and live at peace with one another. Church is a place where we can settle our differences. We can rub shoulders even though we do not feel comfortable with one another's personalities. And why? Why are we called to do this? I will tell you. It's because we are the representation of a heavenly kingdom. And because God wants to use us in this world to be a light where it's darkness because the stuff that we figure out in the church, the world is struggling with. Where they cannot get along, we are supposed to get along. Where they cannot have hope, we are supposed to have hope. We are the light of the world with our Father and with His Son, Jesus. 